Well, I've got the privilege tonight of sharing with us a few thoughts from uh, God's Word, and we've already heard the Scriptures read that I want to share from uh, tonight from Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and already with the children's moment, hopefully had a chance to allude to what I hope that we will all take to heart and take home with us from our time together this evening, and that is the amazing reality that God in His Word proclaims in advance what He's going to do and His unique ability to do that. And hopefully that for us, as well as the children, would elicit worship from us uh, tonight. It's interesting, throughout the book of Matthew, there's at least 40 direct references from Scripture, like quotations of Scripture, plus a number of other places where things from the Old Testament passages, Old Testament Scriptures are alluded to and referenced. And if you just you know, read the Bible in a cursory way and don't slow down and realize what that, that means, you really miss part of who God is, part of God's dramatic uh, character. And tonight, all I'm going to do is focus in on the four main places in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 that the Lord does that, where we just read them. You saw them probably on the screen here. They were indented quotations in, in every case, I think, referencing what God's Word says throughout the Old Testament. And they're from different passages, each of them. One's from Isaiah, one's from Micah, one's from Hosea, and one's from Jeremiah. And so tonight, I, I hope we'll see more of who God is, that He orchestrates His plan of salvation, as I just shared with the kids, that we can also recognize what that means for you and me. One, it means we ought to believe and trust uh, this God's Word as unique truth and revelation to us because uh, only the Bible has that sort of historical setting where God proclaims things in advance and then we see them fulfilled in space and time. But two, that we would really be moved to greater worship and praise of God and desire to connect and grow as believers in Christ because we see how great God is to be able to, to do that. So let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dive into just a few words I want to share with us tonight. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we ask that you tonight would help us to see beautiful things from your word. And uh, Father, whether this is um, our 10th Christmas or our 40th Christmas or our 75th Christmas, uh, Father, I pray that you would show us things that maybe we haven't seen before or things we've seen before. You would push into our hearts and minds, into our souls in ways that you would work and we would be blessed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A remarkable athletic coach who develops a winning game plan, utilizing all the skilled players on his team and anticipating the, the moves of the other team. A talented fashion style designer who follows the trends and sees almost in advance as an early adopter of what will look good or what will look stylish in coming years. Uh, a skilled co-worker, a, a pioneering leader in the business world who 
thinks how to innovate products or deliveries of business supplies or whatever processes to stay ahead of the competition and advance the company. We admire people with those capabilities, don't we? Whether it's in sports or fashion or business or you name it who are able to see somehow in the distance what's going to come and anticipate and prepare and plan for it and put something in place to bring it about even. So we think about those people and our admiration for them. How much more ought we, if we think about it, to admire, to worship the Lord in the way that He is able to centuries ahead of time, proclaim what he's going to do through Christ for your salvation and for my salvation and down to really some of the very specific details of what Christ does. It's in the details and not just in the generality. Uh, We can certainly take a general comfort from Mic going out? All right, we'll bring it back in. God speaks to his people in scripture. He speaks to Mary. He speaks to Joseph as we listen to the, the story, the account that we hear at Christmas time. But, but even more than that, the events that are transpiring with them trace back all the way to centuries ahead of time. And I want us to look at that today in a couple of passages, and maybe this will help you to, to think about it. Uh, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that the, the bankers, the credit companies, uh, whatever organization sends me a monthly paper report, when I log in to pay the bill or to check on something, they send me that little thing. Do you want to go paperless? Right? Maybe you're that guy or that gal as well. Maybe you've gone completely paperless and more power to you if you have. I wouldn't dream of it. Why would I use my paper to print something out that they can send me in the mail, right? So they're going to keep sending me that thing, but that's not the main reason that I do it. The main reason is I've got a copy, a hard copy of what they say the bill is or what the investment report or bank account says that I'm supposed to have in it. I've got it in hand. It tells me, and it's a record of what's true and what's accurate, the bill that's been paid, the charges that have been made, the investments that have matured, whatever. God's word in some similar fashion is that as well. It's a record or recording ahead of time of what God says he's going to do. And when you think about it, he didn't have to do that. Jesus could have come into the world and accomplished what Jesus did for our salvation, come fully God, fully man, be of infinite value because he's God, and also take our place, the the payment for sin that we deserve, and be the righteous one that we cannot be for us, could have done all those things without necessarily having to be predicted or prophesied in advance. But God had a purpose working through his Old Testament people, and that purpose is for all of us today to be able to have affirmation, confirmation of the powerful things in his word and the truth of those things. Now, 
Oh, if you're a skeptic here tonight, and you, there may be maybe some here a bit skeptical about, about this book, whether we can believe this, there's a lot of things I would love to help to share with you about why you and I should and can build our life soundly around God's Word revealed in, in the Scriptures. I, I can be happy to talk and answer any questions. I don't, I'm not bothered by people offering challenging things. But one of the things you'd say when you see these prophecies would say, well, wait a minute, that's kind of a circular argument. It's, it's in this book, and then there's another passage in the book that talks about it. So, you know, how does that really work? Well, interestingly enough, in the 1960s, 1970s, they actually dug up physical copies. They're called the Dead Sea Scrolls, and there have been other uh, copies and records of the scriptures, but they dug up uh, over in the Middle East there around uh, Jerusalem and Israel, they dug up copies of many of the Old Testament passages. So they're actual physical and they can date those and they know that they were in place, they were written hundreds of years before the events that take place in the New Testament that Jesus completed. So one of the things I hope we'll see tonight and maybe, be, maybe you are a skeptic, maybe you sort of doubt these things. I come from that sort of perspective and background is that maybe, maybe there's a little more to this. Maybe there's a little more truth here. Maybe there's a lot more truth here than I might immediately assume or have always assumed. And then there's this interesting passage that's really relevant for all of us here tonight, whether you uh, consider yourselves a bit skeptical or not. Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2 uh, says this about the message that Christ proclaimed. The message that Christ proclaimed. It says, therefore, we must pay, pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels, sounds familiar at Christmas time, proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, sounds sobering because... It is supposed to be sobering. We're accountable for what we hear. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was delivered first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This book of Hebrews tells us, Boy, if, if these messages that came from angels and so forth were significant, how much more should we listen to the message of Jesus himself and the reality of who he is in our lives? You know, when we think about this uh, prophetic truth of God being fulfilled in Jesus' work of the incarnation, it's not only something to really convince us of Scripture, but it also is something tonight to meet us right where we are. You say, I don't really have all those doubts, and I'm fine with believing what the Bible says, Pastor, but I'm really struggling with, like, who I am in life, what my purpose is. I'm struggling with feeling discouraged because I know I've let other people down. I know I've let the Lord down. I'm struggling because I'm just wrestling with hope and joy and maybe have had some losses this year that have been some setbacks for me. I, I think this, this reality that God is planning and predicting ahead of time what Christ has done, if God does that with that big thing of Jesus coming into the world, can't we also trust that he's mapping out and has a path and a plan for you and me in our day-to-day -day lives 
even in the things that we view as setbacks and struggles and we have troubles getting past, that, that God's even in the midst of that. In fact, he's even in the midst of our own sin and the times that we clearly turn away from him. So let's take a look at these passages today and see how maybe just glancing at a few of these verses would help to encourage us tonight and strengthen us in our faith. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 is the passage referenced in Matthew 1 23. Uh, I'll read these uh, to you. You don't need to look them up, but if you have a Bible handy and want to look at them, you're more than welcome to. I suppose that'd be fitting since we're talking about God's word being fulfilled. But it says here, as we read earlier, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, obviously, this is a prediction, a prophecy ahead of time of what would happen with Mary and the means by which uh, our Lord would come into the, to the world in this miraculous way. But what I want to focus on even more out of these verses is the fact that it says they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's kind of a funny way you think to say is just say his name was Emmanuel, right? While well, they say his, his name shall be called Emmanuel. Regardless, we already have heard that Emmanuel, it tells us in those verses, means what? God with us. And on the one level, that's, I know growing up, as I heard that word, I thought, wow, that's great. God's in my life. All right, God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Well, that's true. But this passage is saying a lot more than that. It's saying that when we entrust our life to Christ, when we give up on our self-rule of our own life and say, God, I want to yield my life to you, and I know I've turned away from you, and I'm so gracious that you have forgiven me and shown me grace through Christ, and we yield our life to him either for the first time or on a daily basis, we are having an opportunity to experience God being with us in the sense that he's for us. He's got our back. He's watching over us. Romans 8 is one passage that uh, comes to my mind as I think about this. Uh, Romans 8 verse 31 and following says this. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? goes on to describe Jesus's sacrifice and his sacrificial love. So people tonight, I hope you'll take encouragement from the fact that this prophecy is given long ago. It confirms what God predicted and God said would happen, but it also reminds us that God is with us. He's for us. He's in our lives and loving us, even in the places where it doesn't always feel that way. Matthew chapter 2, verse 5 proclaims these words from uh, Micah, from Micah in the Old Testament. One of the uh, Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets as we call them, just because uh, they're shorter, not because they're less significant. And it says this, it says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You ever read this verse? <laughs> You ever slow down and read it? I've heard it all my life. And I've, we've used these verses for a year or two in the service. I never have slowed down. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I've never slowed down and been perplexed 
What is it talking about when it says, Oh, Bethlehem, that's a place, right? It's a city. And you, O Bethlehem, are by no means least among the rulers. The city is not the ruler, right? It doesn't name a king there. Anybody ever else thought about that and sort of scratched your head? What's going on? Well, I don't think it's as complicated as maybe we would want to make it. Think about it today if you had the TV on this afternoon. Buffalo beat Chicago, right? Now, did everybody in Buffalo up in New York plow through the snow and drive on over <laughs> through those cold temperatures and arrive in Chicago and put a pummeling on all the 8 million citizens or 10 million of Chicago, the city of Chicago? No. Buffalo beat Chicago because they had two teams, right? Football teams that played each other, and those two teams represented the, the cities that are handed with it. That's the way we talk even today. Buffalo beat Chicago. Well, Buffalo didn't beat Chicago. The teams beat each other. And so when we think about Bethlehem, of course, it's this place that's predicted that would be the birthplace of Jesus. And it, it, was, it was not an otherwise significant place. So it's reminding us here of the fact that God uses the weak things and the small things to redeem. But I heard this this week as I read the second part of this verse where it says, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I don't know that I've ever heard this either before. It's very interesting. The passage of scripture elsewhere where it says that Jesus was born is wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. You know that region around Bethlehem? There were sheep, of course, as shepherds and their flocks and so forth. You know what a lot of the sheep were used for in that particular region? Some of y'all have been to Israel probably know this better than me. They were mostly used for the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. The sacrificial sheep that would be offered up. And the claws that they would wrap those sheep in before they would be brought to the sacrifice were the robes from the previous year. I guess they would slice them up of, of the priests who would offer the sheep and they would wrap them. So when the Bible says Jesus, this little baby, was wrapped in these swaddling claws, these pieces of fabric and laid in a manger, it's not just your typical scene of a mother taking care of a child and keeping the baby warm it certainly is those things it's so much more it's prophetic about the role that Christ would play to shepherd his people as the Bible says in John 10 that he would give his life for his sheep powerful things predicted far in advance uh, two more I'll mention quickly and then we'll we'll close if you look at Matthew chapter 2 verse 15 it quotes Hosea Quotes Hosea, another book of the Old Testament. It's interesting. It's a, it's a book. Hosea is a little bit of a tough one to read. It's, it's got Hosea as the prophet, and his wife is named Gomer. And Gomer keeps turning away from her relationship with her husband and repeatedly does that. And Hosea goes after her again and again and again. And in that way, Gomer is symbolic of you and me and our propensity to turn away from God in all sorts of ways and not to, to follow him. And as we read that then and think about these verses in Hosea and this passage in Matthew 2, 15, where it says, Out of Egypt I called my son. Just a short little sentence there. It's reminding us 
that God is calling his people out of Egypt. He's rescuing them. He's delivering them. And maybe we can think about it this way. Jesus is going. Why does it matter that Jesus goes off to Egypt and then comes back? It's kind of a funny little thing to add into the story. All this other drama going on and children being killed and all the sad things and then all these awesome things like shepherds and stuff like that. Oh, oh, by the way, he went down to Egypt for a little while and then came back. Well, what's that about? Anybody lost your keys lately? Anybody lost your phone lately? Anybody like Chevy Chase lost a gift that you bought two months ago and you put away somewhere? And now, like, you got to wrap it up today because tomorrow's the big day. And where is that gift? Is it up in the attic with dust on it somewhere? I can't find the gift. Well, if you're like me, when you were little and you would lose stuff, what did your mom say to you when you lost something? Retrace your steps, right? Go retrace your steps. Go find it. Go back. the path. You're like, if I could retrace my steps, I'd have already found it. But, yes, okay, I'll retrace my steps. Well, that's what Jesus is doing. He's retracing the steps of God's people that went down to Egypt and then were rescued and delivered back. And that prophecy is from Hosea for a reason because it's specifically symbolic of the fact that we walk away from God and Jesus traces those steps and brings us back to him by his rescue and his love. The last one, we won't spend a lot of time talking about it. Uh, We don't even necessarily need to read it again. Chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 18, is sap. It describes this loss of many little, little ones. And it's a reminder that Christmas is not just about little celebration that you and I have in our homes. As vital and valuable as that is, Christmas is about cosmic forces of good and evil colliding and God bringing his redemptive and rescuing work out of it. Kings and uh, you know, executions and genocide and things of that sort are not unfamiliar to God. God knows about those things. And Jesus came to redeem and to set things right and to rescue not just our souls individually, but the whole system of the world, the whole way that things work as society and What a beautiful thing that all of these things are true and that the Lord predicts them far in advance. So my question for you as you leave tonight is, uh, what, what will you do? What will I do with the things that we have heard and seen in God's word this evening? What will we do with them tomorrow in the weeks and months ahead? Will we embrace the veracity, the truthfulness of God's holy word? Uh, both in its general message and in its particulars, in the specific things that it says, these, even the fulfillment that we see tonight as a reminder, we should listen to every single thing we hear in God's word. Each part of it matters, and as soon as we decide to twist or adjust some part of it, we've all of a sudden invented me-ianity instead of Christianity. More than that, will you and I uh, embrace the message of the Bible and see the beauty again afresh that God, this God we worship sees and knows. He's a God of providence in advance all that he will do in such a way that God can predict down to the very details centuries ahead what will happen with his Savior. And, and will we take encouragement from that for the tough places in our life? And lastly, 
Well, we recognize if God's working this plan of redemption for Jesus, that he's graciously inviting you and me into that redemptive story and find our place in it through regular life of worship in the church and connection with small groups and serving in that way and even putting ourselves under the accountability of the shepherding of a local church body. Will we respond in those ways? Let's pray. Oh, Father, we praise you tonight that we can see these marvelous things about you. And we praise you for your word, for the way that we can turn each page of it and see uh, in each chapter and each sentence your hand. I ask, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear that tonight, especially with this Christmas season and this message of the incarnation and work of Christ And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.